0: Things start going well right like you would think like oh things are going well like this is a, this is a cause for celebration we should be happy the avoidant person sees that increasing closeness as a danger sign so as you're like yay they're like danger danger get away danger. from me <laughs> right because yeah. now that we're closer now you're just you're just more able to hurt me like I, i've let you in like the circle of trust and like once that happens now you can really do some damage
1: Welcome to the Love Strategies Podcast, where we help successful women attract high-value men, date with a strategy, and improve their relationships. Now, whether you're single or dating or in a new relationship, we're here to help you dive into the male mind and provide raw insights found nowhere else, backed by science, psychology, and our own personal experiences. Your hosts today are myself, Adam Ladolce, professional dating coach and founder of Love Strategies, and Dr. Gary Lewandowski, relationship scientist, professor, and our head relationship coach here at Love Strategies. Please share with a friend and enjoy. All right, Gary, we are going to be talking about one of the most fun and exciting topics you can imagine, which is attachment styles. Can we have some fun with this conversation absolutely. today? Because I feel like most people just start yawning when they start thinking about it. What, what is an attachment <laughs> style and what is all this stuff? So I don't know. Talk to me. What do you think about attachment styles? You know what? You,
0: know, you asked if we can have fun with this. I, I think you, we absolutely can because learning about relationships is always fun, right? You're going to yep. learn some, something during this podcast that you didn't know before. And there's one thing to learn about in relationship science, it's attachment. It's, it's the one grand theory we have in relationship science, which a grand theory is just something that explains a ton, right? So once you know just a little bit about attachment, you can learn a lot about how your relationship works and how it's going to, you know, proceed going forward. So you're
1: going to learn a lot in a very short period of time. Okay. So let's, let's dive into it. So what defines an attachment style? Like, where does this come from? What is it? Exactly.
0: So, attachment style, I mean, it goes all the way back to the relationship you have with your caregivers, right? Your parents, which typically just basically means mom. Um, and it, it's, you know, based on the consistency of care you received as an infant. And so, the big breakthrough they had in the, in the 1980s, as recently as that, was basically like, hey, that same pattern of care you had with your mom. That carries over into your romantic relationships, right? It's, it's not about your mom being the one who takes care of you. Now it's your romantic partner. And so basically what they found was the same styles that they were observing in infants you see play out in romantic relationships. So this is right. literally the closest thing to Freud being correct that we have going <laughs>
1: Is it like the only thing that he was actually right about?
0: Yes. It, it's one of the right? So like when Freud says like, you know, your childhood influences everything later on. Well, no, not exactly. Um, and there's a lot of that Freud gets wrong. But
1: attachment theory is, is pretty oh, I, close. like don't want my mother. Isn't that one of the other ones? Yeah, or-
0: you're, you're really not looking to
1: bed your mom necessarily. Okay, thank God. Okay. Mom, if you're listening, you're in the clear. you good. No, oh, my gosh. Call. I'm sweating now based on that joke. Uh, don't tell jokes like that. Okay. So one of the things Freud actually got right is this idea. And I think that a lot of this comes down to is that in relationships, we don't necessarily seek what makes us happy. We seek what is comfortable to us. And is that a part of what attachment styles, like what they talk about with attachment styles? Because that's something I've noticed a lot is people just tend to be attracted to the very type of person that they're just most familiar with and, and comfortable with. Yeah. It's kind of, you know,
0: it's a lot of replaying the patterns that you established from when you were young. Right. And so if you you were accustomed to a certain type of interaction with a caregiver, that's your default setting, basically. I mean, that's, that's how you think the world works. And so, so much of how we think the world works is, is predicated on our upbringing and how we dealt with our family life. And so this is just one more way. Um, And so as it turns out, you know, it's, it's, it can be complicated, but you can also make attachment really simple in the sense that, you know, there's basically three different attachment styles that that people fall into. Okay. So the, the biggest one, the best one, and, you know, this is the no doubt about it best one to be, which luckily about 70% of people are, is secure. And so if you're secure, it means you are comfortable being close to others. You're comfortable relying on other people. You're comfortable trusting other people. Um mm. You're not worried about them leaving you or hurting you all the time. And it's just – it's sort of a – you've learned that the people you love and care about can be relied upon. They're reliable. They're consistent. They're there. Um, And so, you know –
1: so seventy percent. I, I I always quote fifty percent, but I could definitely be getting that wrong. Do you think it's as high as seventy percent are secure? Maybe it's because a lot of women who are drawn to our programs don't fall into secure attachment. But yeah. Um, so I think I think you can have a selection effect. Sure. Like
0: so, you know, people that are looking for you know people that are historically have had trouble in their relationships, that they're generally going to be a more insecure um, type type of group. But you know, the research data is about 70% are secure, which, which is really good news, right? And the other thing yeah. that this whole thing about being secure is really good news for is that it means that your parents didn't have to be perfect, right? So a lot of times people, when they hear like, oh, well, you know, how I was brought up, that's going to influence how I was in my romantic relationship. We can easily pick out all the times our, our, par- our parents screwed things up, right? Like your parents yelled at you, or like were mean to you, or spanked right. you, or, you know, all these different kinds of things. And so just because you had some rough spots in your upbringing, it doesn't mean you're going to be insecure. Because you know most of us people
1: are resilient, right? Amazingly right. resilient. So most of us end
0: up secure, luckily.
1: Yeah, and it requ- is it based on mostly trauma in childhood, or are there some children who are maybe more sensitive to others to? Situations that causes them to then be an avoidant, uh, or, or I don't know, how does, how does that work? Have they figured that out?
0: Um, I, you know, we haven't exactly pinpointed. It. I mean, this is like one of the, yeah. you know, beautiful and frustrating things about psychology there, there's always this, you know, interaction of like qualities you have as a person versus your experiences. Right. And it's always, yeah. you know, what, what causes you to be the person you are? Well, it's a, it's a combination of both and it's this complex interaction. And so, you know, Certainly one person could have seven different traumas as a child and emerge perfectly secure, right? right? Some other person could have one and end up avoidant or anxious ambivalent, right? And so it's, there's definitely that interaction where it's like, you know, not all things are created equal. And that's why it's really hard to make any kind of judgment or assumptions about other people's experiences. And, you know, there, there's no shoulds like, oh, you should be fine. You've you had a yeah. perfect childhood. Well. It all depends really actually on how you interpret things
1: right right that's so true and i mean there's so many factors into who makes us what makes us who we are right there's obviously our our childhood then there's our experiences and the people we have around us and mm-hmm. our support group and maybe having a support group is what causes you to then have a, a secure attachment style because even though you were traumatized from your parents maybe you had this other group to lean on or maybe just your dna you're just a little bit less I don't know, for lack of a better word, fragile throughout the experience. I, I don't know if that's the right word or sensitive to it, but regardless, some people seem to be, obviously, based on their childhood trauma or experiences, have this way of interacting with their romantic partners uh, because of it. So what does it mean? Why don't we walk dive into each one
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and obviously secure is probably the easiest one to start with. It just means you're pretty comfortable with relationships. um, And I think you already talked a little bit Mm -hmm. about that, but why don't you describe the other two a little bit? I think that'd be helpful. Sure.
0: So, you know, we said most people are secure. So that's 70%. Then there's the other 30%. Now there are two different ways to be insecure. The first is you're avoidant, right? Avoidant are people who are not comfortable being close to other people and they're worried about being left, right? And so... You know, th- there's a lot of fears you can have in relationships. And so avoidant people have two big fears, like what if you hurt me, right? And what if you leave me? And right. so if you think of it's kind of the greatest hits of the bad things that can happen in a relationship, those are the two biggest ones. And so avoidant people are constantly kind of worried about that, right? Now, yeah. they want a relationship. They want that; they want all the same things everybody else wants in a relationship, but they're it, it's counterweighted all the time by this fear of being hurt and being left. And so as a result of that, they put up walls, right? It's like, I know you might hurt me, so I'm going to keep you at a distance. Yeah. Um, and you can imagine, like, I mean, that leads to really mediocre relationships, right? I mean, it's I'm just, just imagining
1: hard. every woman listening to this right now, thinking of like all the guys she's dated in the past, like that might fall into that category. You have just like this sure. mind blowing moment.
0: Yeah, right. It's it's like, you know, it's such a stereotypical male trait as well, right? And so the guys are kind of, you know, brought up to be like that lone wolf. Like, I don't need anybody. I don't need to talk to anybody. I'm good. Um, Right. And it's not necessarily a a great trait, right? And so what happens in relationships, if you're in a relationship with an avoidant person, it's like this roller coaster. It's like a lot of highs and lows because, like I said, they want to be close. They want that great relationship. So as things start going well, right? Like you would think like, oh, things are going well. Like this is, this is a cause for celebration. We should be happy. The avoidant person sees that increasing closeness as a danger sign. So as you're like, yay, they're like danger, danger. Get away from me. (laughs) Right. Because now that we're closer, now you're just, you're just more able to hurt me. Like I've let you in like the circle of trust. And like, once that happens, now you can really do some damage. Um, And now clearly, most partners are not going to do that, but that's what makes it avoid attachment. You know, insecure because they're they're constantly worried about these things that may not even come to pass. Like they're just hyper vigilant about threats, yeah, um, in a way that's counterproductive to a, to a healthy relationship.
1: Hey there, ladies. As you can see, we're just getting this podcast off the ground. And since we don't run any ads, I only have one quick favor to ask in return. Can you just take a quick second right now, pause this episode and just leave us a review wherever it is that you're listening to the podcast. It really help us out a lot and it really does spread the love. And uh, I think the world needs a little bit more of that. So I appreciate you. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, and and on the note of gender Stereotypes on this. I think a lot of women f- who have avoidant attachment styles think that there's something like wrong with them as a female because most women are supposed to be like the ones who are kind of needy in a relationship mm-hmm. and the ones who are always pushing things forward. And we actually mm-hmm. have a lot of avoidant clients or women who would categorize themselves that way or have been categorized by a therapist uh, mm-hmm. as that. And um, tell them, look, there's nothing wrong with that. It's actually not. it, it, there's nothing wrong with you in that sense. Like it's something to be aware of and something to work on. But, um, a lot of them think that it's so weird for a woman to be that way. But do you have any data or or background of what, if men tend to be more avoidant than women, as far as like the clinical definition of it,
0: they do. Right. I mean, and, and, you know, it's more of a a male typical trait. And so if, you know, imagine the woman going through that's experiencing this avoidance kind of recognizes it as a problem which is right. good, right? Because if you recognize it, then you can do something about it. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas the guys that kind of fall into this pattern, it's just like, uh, just a dude, that's what, how dudes are, right? And like so, there's no real motivation or there, there's no lever that's like kind of saying like, oh, you really got to do something about this. It's just like,
1: so I am. Here's the million dollar question for you though. I was definitely an avoidant in like from the ages of twenty three to twenty eight, just because I wanted mm-hmm. to like go have fun and live my life. Mm-hmm. But it didn't come from a place of actually what you were describing. It was just like mm-hmm. I don't want a relationship. I just want to like live and, and mm-hmm. date and do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Does that fall, <laughs> does that fall into that category? Is that possible? Yeah. Can you? So it actually in- it's like a subcategory of avoidant. Um, it, right. It's something that
0: later became known as dismissing, where it's basically mm-hmm. like. You don't want any attachments like you're keeping people at a distance, all the same kind of behaviors. But like you just said, for the exact opposite reason, almost, it's like it's not that you're worried about getting hurt. It's just that you were just disinterested. Like you're just like this. Like, I don't like it's it's almost like a hyper independence.
1: Right. And so, you know, I want to have fun like. I didn't want to be in a relationship. Um, And, you know, I I probably, if I could go back in time and probably smack that guy across the face and be like, hey, man, (laughs) grow up a little bit. I probably would. Sure, Um, But, you know, I also, at the same token, I do think that there's something to being in your early 20s, certainly. That's why we don't allow any, I don't say allow, but generally speaking, we don't accept women who are uh, younger than 25 or 24 Mm -hmm. into our Mm -hmm. program because there's something to that phase Mm -hmm. in life where you're like... Hey, look, just explore and meet lots of people and have fun. And like, it doesn't have to be so serious yet at this stage. So I'm curious on your thoughts on like age groups.
0: Yeah. And you know, what, what we know about attachment is over time, you know, people just generally get more secure, mm. right. And, and whether that's, it, it's hard to really disentangle, whether that's just like a natural aging maturation type of process, or, you know. Chances are by the time people are into their 40s and 50s, they've had a long-term, stable, healthy relationship and and that helps you be more secure.
1: Well, it it makes sense to me, at least, if you would be more avoidant when you're younger because you want to stay independent because you're young and you value excitement and all of the fun things that comes with being really young and single. It also (laughs) makes sense that you might be anxious when you're young because you're not yet very sure of yourself. And confidence, I think, is something that, Kind of you grow into as you mm-hmm. get older as well, and just generally being a secure person, whether it's with yourself or your relationships, mm-hmm. that just makes sense that you would that grow into that, um, regardless of what you may have experienced earlier in life. Yeah, and so that, that anxious style
0: you're talking about is sometimes called anxious ambivalence, um, other times yeah. called preoccupied. Um, yeah. and, and so that's the other way to be insecure. So there's about 15% that are avoidant, there's about 15% that are this anxious, ambivalent, preoccupied style, and it it's actually almost the exact opposite of avoidance in the sense that you're super needy, you're super clingy, you're super, you know, high intensity, like almost like hyper romantic, like mm. relationships are everything. Being with your partners, everything you want to spend every moment of every day. Like, it's like, it's just so over the top. Like, you know, if you have somebody that's like following you around and stalking you every, every moment, right. A partner like that, they're, they're probably anxious, right? They're, they're probably yeah. anxious and equivalent. And it's like, it's such a strong, strong, hyper, hyper love kind of way of approaching relationships. And it's, it's kind of, like you said, it, it's, can be out of a place of neediness and, and not kind of knowing your own way. Um, right. but it's like, you know, we said the avoidance don't want to get hurt and they don't want to get left. Um, so they don't want to get close to people. And so the anxious folks, they don't want to get left either. So, but rather than putting up walls. They do the exact opposite instead of mm. keeping you at a distance so you don't hurt them they keep you as close as possible so you don't hurt them so you don't get a chance to leave
1: i once had a friend that went out one night without his girlfriend and they mm-hmm. were only dating for like a month she called him 28 times that night 28. <laughs> it's, like, it's like yeah it's just one of those moments where we literally like we were just hanging out and I think he mm-hmm. had his phone in the other room and he went back and looked at his phone and he literally was like 28 calls and we were just like, what is this? Yep. And clearly looking backwards, it, you know, there must be an anx- anxious attachment style. That's yeah, It's a that
0: constant like needing to check in. Where were you? What are you doing? Who are you with? Like it leads to yeah. a lot of jealousy. Um, right. It's the like, I love you. And if you don't say I love you back quick enough or in the right kind of tone, they're like, what's up with that? you don't love me? Like what's going on? Like, it's very hard to convince them of your undying love and affection. And like, it's just hard to get to the level that they want you to be at. And so as a partner of somebody who's anxious, it's, it's tough. It is really, really tough
1: to keep up. Yeah. I wonder, so in, in my program, Love Accelerator, I feel like we cater more towards anxious attachment style. We probably have more who are mm-hmm. in that category and i think mm-hmm. our program is probably even better suited for that because a lot mm-hmm. of what we do is we make love a little bit less romantic and more strategic mm-hmm. and we slow things down and and uh, just so many things that gives kind of these uh i don't know a kind of a, what's the right word we give them kind of a plan to take that helps them stay a little bit more rational throughout the process and i I wonder in in relationship synergy if you feel it's the same or maybe you more experience avoidant or maybe just secure do you have any sense of that and obviously you're not making any diagnoses but like the general sense of it well i mean one of the things
0: i think that you guys do a really nice job of um in love accelerator is to help the anxious folks is the concept you talk about it in terms of pacing right? right like don't go all in all at once, like kind of like keep some distance and, and just like really just kind of put up, put some speed bumps in, along the road to like, kind of make sure people aren't moving too fast too soon, which, mm. which I think is really helpful. And it, it's, it's exactly those kind of strategies that folks need, um, yeah. you know, to your point about relationship synergy and, and kind of what we're dealing with, I, I think what it ends up being, I think most of the, the women in that program are secure. Yeah, um, because I think they, they're secure. They're they're coming from a place of, you know, wanting to learn more about the relationship. Things things are going well, and they they just want to get better at them. But I think they're dealing with a lot of insecure partners, and it's yeah. it's kind of to try to help learn how to manage some of those behaviors. Um, right. But I think you know, of I don't think it's anxious as much as. I think it's the anxiety over abandonment, right? So this attachment thing, there's a bunch of styles, but there's two dimensions. And one's the comfort with closeness, um, but the other one is this anxiety over abandonment. And I think it's, you know, once people have found the one, they want to hold on to it, right? They don't want to lose it. And so I think if there's an attachment dimension that the relationship synergy folks tap into more than anything, it's that, I don't want to lose this great thing I found. And, you know- They don't want to go back
1: to the little love steps. They don't want to go back to my program.
0: Right. It's so like I you want to, you yeah. want to delete every one of those dating apps you've ever used and never see them again once you found your person. Right. And so, right. you know, I think they're smart in, in learning about some of these things It's cause it's going to help them do that. It's going to make their relationship better. And so that they don't have to go back, um, right. it, it, go back in time. Like they, they want to be done with that phase.
1: So let's, let's think of some practical kind of advice here. So let, let's let start with the, the 70% that are secure. If you've been dating and you find yourself, uh, dating someone who is avoidant or anxious, do you have any insight as to how to navigate that? Is it something that you should not consider them for a lifelong partner or should you cater to their needs? What, what do you think, um, from a practical way of, of navigating this, uh, they should do?
0: Well, I, I think one of the things,
1: and actually I have seen this in some of the relationship synergy folks is,
0: you know, when you're. It's like a secure attachment is great. Like, don't get me wrong, it's fantastic. But one of the things that I think can be a potential downside of secure attachment is if you're secure and you're with someone who's not, you can kind of like take it upon yourself. Like, I'm gonna fix them. Yeah, fix them. Like, I know what I'm doing. I'm really good at this. I can fix anybody. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's tough to be the savior, right? And attachment can change. It absolutely can. Um, Mm. I I think the best thing for people to know and just learning a little bit about attachment is go into it with clear eyes, like really know what you're dealing with because it's not impossible for people to change their attachment, but it will be slow. Yeah. Right. And they have to
1: want it. I mean, that's the thing. They have to want to change, right? It's like an alcoholic, right? You can overcome alcoholism. You just have to want to work on that and be aware of it. And, um, I don't know if it's uh, that's an exact analogy here. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But it, my point is just like if you're if. You can't change anyone that you're with. They have to want it. And if they're open to understanding their attachment styles and even talking about it and want to learn more about that, great. But if they want to yeah. ignore it or pretend it doesn't exist and call you crazy and gaslight you and think that you're nuts mm-hmm. for whatever, then that's a big problem. And we can't be involved with someone like that if we are secure because we're just going to sit back and be like, who is, what are we dealing with? This is craziness. It doesn't even make sense. Yeah. And, you know, you know it, it's, you can find somebody better,
0: like there's there's always, you know, if you're, if you really are secure, like you're, you're one of the people that that's got it right. Like, you know, the right way to deal with relationships. And like, can you spend all of your time trying to fix this person? Now, if you've been married for 10, 15 years and you have a lot of time invested, then, you know, you probably do owe it to that person to kind of stick with it, right, a little bit. Mm. But if you've just met somebody in the first two months and you realize they have these, these strong avoidant or anxious tendencies, next right like you know next
1: if should- he calls <laughs> you right. 25 times all right and you're like what is going on with this guy no i can change him he'll change once we're in a relationship nah, maybe not yeah. maybe you're not going to change your, you can't want
0: them to change for them like like yeah. you said they have to want to change and it's like you know i always say to people relationships aren't easy but they yeah. shouldn't be so damn hard either right Right? right, and it's like if you're with this person who's avoiding and constantly like putting up walls and not wanting to talk, and like, how are you ever going to get close to that person? How's that? Was right. that what you wanted when before you like started all of this? Like, is is that the kind of partner was like your dream partner? It wasn't. There's no way it
1: was. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and I think that's an impor- important point that this can be changed. Like, I think a lot of my clients, in particular, I hear this a lot. I am. X, Y, or Z, and that could be any type of identity that they want to connect with. I am anxious, mm-hmm. therefore that's why mm-hmm. I do this. I think mm-hmm. that's actually pretty disempowering. And like even just saying something like I used to be or I tend to have anxious attachment style like characteristics, like mm-hmm. even just using that difference in language, rather mm-hmm. than being like a tattoo on your arm, like I am like this, so therefore he needs to call me three times a day. Uh, yep. That's disempowering. That's that's not going to help you in your life. So I think it's just really helpful to just be aware. If you do, let's maybe transition to if you do have anxious or um, or jeez, um, I'm mind blanking. Avoidant attachment style. Then um, it is something you can actively work on and you can move past. So if you are in fit in that category, um, should you really be looking for someone who is secure? It's it's likely yes, right? Sure.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, your point needs to be, you know, emphasized, right? It's like people, it's not determinism, right? It's not determinism. It's like, once you, you can grow up in a terrible household on these things and end up avoiding, it doesn't mean you're avoiding for the rest of your life. And like, there's nothing you can do. Um, And kind of that shift in language is really important. Instead of thinking I'm an avoidant person, it's like, I'm a person who has some avoidant tendencies. You know, I'm a recovering, and I've heard people say like, I'm a recovering, anxious, ambivalent person, right? And it's like, you know, there's a path, right? And you, and you can change. And it, a lot of it depends on your relationship experiences, right? It, it can go the other way too. You could be super secure, have a devastating breakup, and end up feeling pretty avoidant or pretty anxious after that. Um, right. But, you know, to to your question, you know, if you, you know, you kind of, you know, and we have them in the program. It's like these little quizzes you can take to kind of figure out where you fall in terms of your attachment. If you find that you have some insecure tendencies, right? Either anxious or avoidant, um, the best possible thing you can do is find a secure partner and trust them. Mm. Right? And so your secure partner, if you're avoidant, they're gonna say, they're gonna tell you things like, I am not gonna hurt you. And you know, you're avoidant in the back of you're gonna be like, Yes, you are, I know you are, it's just a matter of time. I just don't know when it's gonna happen, but it's definitely gonna happen. But you gotta like kinda like rewire that circuitry a little bit and be like, just hear their words, see their intentions, see how they've been acting towards you and see that they really are there. Like they're showing you that they're there and just start paying more attention to those things. Um, it's the same with, if you're, if you find yourself being anxious, your partner is going to tell you that they love you and don't, don't second guess everything they say, right? you just have to trust. Right. And yes, I mean, that's going to make you vulnerable, but like that's can lead to problems. Sure. But most of the time, it leads to really great relationships. You can't have a great relationship without being vulnerable. And so if you refuse to be vulnerable, you refuse to have that trust, you're basically just saying, I'm never going to have the healthy long-term relationship that I say I want.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I find with anxious in particular, anxious attachment style, clients who seem to fall into that category, I tend to constantly just be reassuring them (laughs) that there is no problem. Like sometimes mm-hmm. I just feel like it's a constant creation of issues in mm-hmm. the relationship. He's not doing this enough or he's not giving me mm-hmm. enough or and I listen to it and they explain to me what he's actually doing or not doing that's not fulfilling their needs. And I'm like, That's normal. It's right. okay. It's right. okay. And that's what I love about your work and what you do and what you teach, is so much of it is about having that loving, healthy, committed relationship that is based on realistic expectations. And understanding what a healthy relationship really looks like. It's not this Disney fairyland, you know, tale. it's, um, you know, it's different than that.
0: Well, it's just like we talked about earlier where it's like the same, like two people can have, you know, the same amount of childhood trauma and one person's going to end up fine. And one person's, you know, going to end up insecure. Um, the same thing happens in relationships. Like, you know, your relationship partner, isn't going to be perfect. Your relationship isn't going to be perfect all the time. A secure person is going to see that and just kind of roll with it, be like, yeah, we had a bad day, you know, we were kind of off, they they were in a bad mood and just kind of understand that at, at the foundation, everything's still okay, but you can have these little blips of problems, right? That person who's avoidant or anxious is going to have that same relationship, right? We'll assume it's the same exact relationship when they see those little problems, right? That a day where the partner's in a cranky mood and like kind of snapped at you about something. That's yeah. going to send up these major red flags for them. That's un- that's actually unnecessary, right? It's, it's like you said, it's just the normal relationship. It's part of being in a relationship with another person, right? It's You're going to have a lot of this, right? It's just how it goes.
1: Yeah. Now that makes a lot of sense. I think that's, that's great. Okay. So, um... I don't know anything else that you want to add to this i feel like i've learned a lot from this i think this is amazing Uh, and it's it's so helpful anything else that you feel like is is important to add when it comes to attachment styles what to think about um as you navigate your relationship or your dating life yeah i think one of one of the big things
0: that just kind of circle back on on a theme that we mentioned earlier is that there's a lot of societal expectations about gender roles that play into this and so one of the most common so By far, the most common pairing between partners just based on percentages is two secure people. Right. right? And so that's fantastic. But once you move beyond that, um, it's fairly common to have pairings where you have an avoidant male with an anxious female. Yep. Now, that combination
1: isn't good because both (laughs) people... Like, needless to say, it's going to be just fireworks. Oh God! You
0: have two people that want the opposite things. They're both very sensitive about being hurt and left, and it's just it's it's not total total problems. But it's yeah. common, and they'll stay together because if people have these gender typical stereotypes about like that's just how guys are, that's just how ladies are, <laughs> like then yeah. they're like oh, I guess that's how it is, right? And then they start. Really, you know, just accepting this mediocre, horrible relationship is just like, I guess that's what I get from love, right? And that's just not true. Like it, it's, I talk a lot about blind spots and stuff people get wrong and, and that's just like, a, it's it's a big one, right? Um, You know, that avoidant male, he's unhappy because his female partner wants to get close to him all the time and he's like, hell no, I don't want no parts of this. This is a problem for me. And then yeah. as he puts up walls, it activates her anxiety and she's like, must get closer. So he's running, she's falling, and it's, it's, it's tumultuous <laughs> at best. Yeah.
1: To say the least. Right.
0: Um, so- but you know, it, it's, you know, when you, the, the one other thing is like anxious females, you said you, you, you deal with a lot of that in, in, you know, your, your section, um, just know the research shows it, anxious females are, it's bad for relationships. Right. It, it creates a, a lot of extra drama that doesn't need to be there. Um, and, you know, if you're in a relationship with someone who's anxious, imagine it from their perspective. You want more and more affirmations of love. That person keeps telling you they love you, they care about you and all that kind of stuff, but their partner never believes them. And right. so it's like, what can I possibly do to make you believe I actually care? And the answer a lot of times is that you're never going to be able to do enough. Right. Uh, and that's very, you know, talk about disempowering. That, that's certainly disempowering.
1: Well, and that's that's one concept I talk a lot about with Love Accelerator is when you're in a brand new relationship, I call it the cool down period, which is Mm -hmm. like you're going to go from this incredible euphoria of the honeymoon uh, relationship and experience where you're just lovey-dovey. He's constantly Mm -hmm. calling you, texting you, want to be with Mm -hmm. you. And then once you find yourself in anywhere from three to six months in my experience – it just tends to cool off. Maybe he's going to start focusing mm-hmm. on work again, reaching out to old friends. He hasn't talked to, he's going to want mm-hmm. a weekend off a night, uh, you know, a night off a weekend where he can just do his own thing. And yep. that is where the anxious comes in hard. Cause they're like, my relationship's falling apart. <laughs> what do I do? Oh my yeah. God, where is this guy? And it's yeah. like, no, that's just normal life. Yeah. It's, you know? it's
0: not falling apart. It, it's coming together is what it is. Yeah. Right. It, it, it's, it's, That shift is showing a confidence in the relationship where it's like, if you're constantly monitoring, it's showing that you're not so sure about it. Like once they can kind of, you know, your partner can shift priorities and not be so constantly monitoring the relationship. It shows a certain level of trust, right? It it shows confidence. And so you have to reinterpret that for what it really is.
1: Yeah. Well, that was great, Gary. I learned a lot through this and just to really appeal to those anxious attachment style listening next week's podcast is how to know if a man is falling in love with you. So, uh, I don't know if that's going to trigger some people that are listening (laughs) here, but I think, uh, it'll be a fun one to, to talk about. And, um, thank you so much, Gary. That was amazing. Anything else that you want to add, or do you think we covered it at all?
0: No, I I think, you know, just as a general rule, like don't, don't put up so many walls that you can't love. Let the love in that you really are looking for in the first place. Like I mean, you just you have to be vulnerable to experience the kind of relationship you want, and that with that vulnerability, you know, just
1: le- learn to trust your partner. Yeah, amen to that. Great place to end. Thanks, Gary. Sure thing, man. All right. So now you've reached the end of the show. Please make sure you follow and subscribe to the Love Strategies podcast wherever it is that you're listening so that you never feel alone again on your journey to love. As always, if you want to unlock all of our love strategies and begin your love life transformation, head on over to lovestrategies.com to get started. Stay beautiful and uh, speak to you next week.